0: Good morning, I just need a moment because uh, the flip chart is going to make a, a reappearance. Starting with a blank page, how about that? So we are going to read together from Genesis 39, so if you've got a Bible with you, you open that up and find Genesis 39, Uh, but it's also going to appear on the screen behind me. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did... Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph. And said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And then verse 16. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warder. So we finished our worship singing the song, Who the Son Sets Free will be free indeed. So my question to you this morning is how free from sin do you feel right now in your life? Think maybe on a sort of one to ten scale. What number would you pick? Is it ten? Living completely free from sin. Is it one where you just could not say that you feel free of sin? Or is it a number Somewhere in between. Our theme today as we continue speaking about holiness is the battle for holiness. And the reason we're speaking about a battle is that the Christian life is hard. And to live for God is and can be at times a battle. And there are habits and patterns, aren't there? That, that get established in our lives, sinful habits and patterns. We've got a habit and a pattern in the, in the morphine house, which is pretty much every weekday morning. We're rubbish. We're so rubbish. And it's a habit and a pattern. And my part in that is the alarm is set for 6.45, and my, my simple task is to get out of bed. Sounds so simple when you say it like that, doesn't it? Get out of bed and make the drinks for everyone. That's all I have to do. So the alarm's set at 6.45. And like clockwork, at 6.55, I get out of bed. But that 10 minutes, oh, it makes the difference because what follows is chaos because we're rushing. We've got to get the kids to school. We've got to get to work. And pretty much every morning, it's a disaster. I know I could set the alarm for 6.35. I could still have 10 minutes more laying in bed. But I don't want to set the alarm for 6.45. I want as much sleep as I can get. It's a habit and a pattern. I've got to be honest, it's taking a bit of shifting. And you know, our relationship with God can get a bit like that too, that sin can become a habit and a pattern. And when I say sin, I'm speaking of any area in our lives where our behavior, our thoughts, our actions fall short of God's standard, what he expects. So that can be true, those habits and patterns in any area of our lives, but You know, particularly this morning, we're going to talk and think about sexual sin. And that in particular is an area where habits and patterns can be difficult to shift. There are so many reasons for that. I'm going to just touch on two. Firstly, the God-given sex drive that he's placed in us when he created us is super strong. It's super strong. It's apparently second only to our instinct for self-preservation. So it's a really strong drive in the way that we've been created. I was thinking kind of in preparation for today that I'm 48 and puberty for me was like about the age of 12. So I've had 36 years of endeavouring to manage the instincts, the impulses, the hormones that God has put in me. And about half of that time as a single guy and about half of that time as a married man. And in both arenas, this is not an easy thing to do. It's really important, which is why we're talking about it this morning. So the sex drive is super strong, but you know, the other factor with this is that sex by definition is a private, personal thing. And so sin in that area becomes a secret thing. And secrecy, in essence, is where sin grows. So as you hear me talking this morning, I wonder where you're at with Maybe as I'm speaking, you are in a place where there are habits and patterns and it feels like actually the chances of me being able to break free of that feel right now really remote. Maybe you hear people talk and we sing on a Sunday about living victoriously. But in truth, it feels like that's for other people and not for you. And maybe this is an area where you've blown it, you've messed up. And so you feel condemnation. You feel like God loves you less. And we speak about forgiveness, but maybe you don't experience the feeling of that in your life. Well, what does the Bible have to say about this? What, what is God's message to us today? You know, it is one of hope. It's one of a battle that can be won. It's one of a God of amazing, unending love. The Bible says, though our sin be like scarlet, we can be washed as white as snow. And that is my prayer for us today, that we would know that. And in the days and weeks ahead, that we would experience that for ourselves. So we're thinking about this guy, Joseph. He's the one with the famous coat. You heard about his technical coat? The brothers, who he had dreams about, that they would all bow down to him. And and they, surprisingly... They didn't like that. They left him in a pit for dead and then he was sold into slavery and he finds himself where we started to read the story. He finds himself in Potiphar's household as a slave but he works his way to be the the respected one leading the household. And as we started to read the story we see this Stark contrast between the way in which Potiphar's wife manages her sex drive and the way that Joseph manages and conducts himself. Let's look at verse 6. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph. What she saw, which was the way that he looked, is where this whole thing begins. If you like, this kind of journey, this pattern of lust and an invitation to adultery all begins with that moment of what she sees. And as we speak about these things today, what we look at, what we choose to look at, but I would also say what we see by accident and what we do with that is really, really vital if we're going to know victory in this battle. And of course, you know, the growth of the internet has brought us so much kind of good stuff to this generation, hasn't it? But the tragedy is that it's also facilitated um, an explosion in the viewing of pornography. Online pornography, its consumption, its use, has skyrocketed. And it's brought the availability of that pretty much to every person, pretty much in every context. A lot of that targeted to men, but interestingly, more and more of it watched and consumed by women. The stats on that, I was interested to see that it's estimated 25% of online pornography is viewed by women. So this is not your kind of classical gender divide that we might initially think that it is. The great thing about the Bible is it, it just speaks into every area of life, doesn't it? God has something to bring to us in every area of of life. And in this area, Jesus, in Matthew 6, said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. The importance of what we do with our eyes. So how? How are we going to win this battle for holiness? Well, I want to tell you a story. It's the story of a wealthy man who bought himself a limousine. Imagine. Not only could he afford the car, but he could afford a driver, so he held interviews for a driver of this limousine. Three people came along. And he set them a challenge, which was to drive him along the clifftop. Now, when I think of this story, I think of the, the east coast of Yorkshire. It's kind of where I'm from. So I've got a photograph of the east coast of Yorkshire. That's the Morphin family walking from Sewerby to Bridlington. Anyone, anyone know that? that walk? It's gorgeous if you've never been. This, this is that walk. So... Imagine the limousine and the first driver. And the first driver skillfully drives within five meters of the edge. That's a cliff. It's a huge drop. All the way down, five meters from the edge. The next driver comes along and drives right on the edge, very skillfully, all the way along. And the third driver comes along and drives nowhere near the edge. Who gets the job? It's the guy or girl who drives the car nowhere near the edge. Why would you want to drive along the edge of a cliff? That's crazy. It reminded me of Death Road in Bolivia we got a picture of it. Anyone fancy driving that? Well, let's take a look at this clip. So, let me ask you, skillful driving or unnecessary risk? Someone said, stupid. (laughs) Really, really, really stupid, especially when you know that there's a different route. Let's look at it. Next photo, there we are. This is the new road. It's nowhere near. The cliff edge, nowhere near it. It's four times as wide. The chances of disaster, so much reduced. Why would you drive on that crazy narrow road? Well, you might do it for the high, for the buzz, for the moment. But the risk is so great. When faced with temptation... Look at Joseph's response. One day he went into the house. None of the servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He ran out of the house as far away from the cliff edge as he could get. And so the heart of this message today is simply this. I'm hoping I've picked a pen that will write, okay? So, no, not that one. Should we try this one? Oh, yes. Flee to be free. Flee to be free. And that is exactly what Joseph does. And you know, Jesus actually speaking about sexual temptation and sin in Matthew 5 verse 27. I think he says the same thing in as many words. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. It's a stark passage, and it's actually not what it first appears. So it's not the drastic command to self harm. And we're reading there about removing parts of the body that would bring huge limitation, wouldn't they, to not have a hand or an eye? But it is a command to take drastic action in order to avoid sin. And with that comes a loss of freedom. The freedom to kind of go to the edge. Because we have that, don't we? And we enjoy that, don't we? We don't like the thought. I don't like the thought of being restricted. But let me put this scripture into the kind of context that we're speaking about. When I tell you about a friend of mine who went without his smartphone for several weeks in order to break a habit of looking at pornography. That's what this scripture means. Cut it off. Or... Someone else that I know who decided to change his routine, to leave his iPad at work, and not to bring that home so that he could break the pattern of watching pornography. And then as I was thinking about um, speaking this morning, I remembered a moment, it's like over 20 years ago, I went to the cinema with some friends it's a big group of us. It was the Showcase Cinema in Leeds, if you know the one. And I remember standing in the foyer and I'd not really paid much attention to what the film was going to be. And as we were about to buy the tickets, I realized that Seven meant a film about the Seven Deadly Sins. And I just had a bit of a Holy Spirit, hmm. But actually, where's that going to take me? Is it going to take me closer to the edge? Is it going to take me over the edge? Now, I've got to be honest, there's a bit of me that is still quite gutted that I've not seen. What I hear is a really good film with some actors in it that, that I would really enjoy watching. But I guess that's the point, isn't it? Being willing to give up our freedom to walk to the edge in order to flee to be free. And so some bold choices undoubtedly is what Jesus is advocating here. And when we look at what happened for Joseph, it's really interesting, we read that she spoke to Joseph day after day. Do you experience that kind of a temptation? that day after day, opportunity is there, yet he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. He literally keeps his distance from sin and from something that might take him to the edge of where sin is. Because it is interesting, if that was just a sort of purely platonic relationship with Potiphar's wife sounds like Potiphar's a busy guy he's not around Joseph could have been friendly he could have technically theoretically had a platonic friendship but the risk was that that just took him so much closer to the edge flee to be free Just for a moment, let's contrast then what we see in this story of Joseph with the story of another Bible character, that of David. So King David, we read about in 2 Samuel 11. That chapter opens with a really what looks like innocuous line that at the time of the year when kings go to war, David was in the palace. So the whole story begins with David in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then as he's looking out from the top of the palace, he sees a lady bathing naked on the roof of another property. Now, we haven't got time to get into the whys and wherefores about whether that's the place to bathe naked, and there's got to be something there about the way that we encourage or discourage the attention sexually of others. In the moment that David sees Bathsheba, this is his opportunity. Flee to be free. Get those eyes looking somewhere else and get attention on something different. And helpfully, you know, move, physically move. But he doesn't. And he starts to think about her. We know that because he starts to then inquire about her. Tell me about her. And then he invites her to the palace. And they sleep together. She becomes pregnant. And what follows is... Lies and deceit, ultimately murder. And in the life of David and Bathsheba, there is huge pain as a consequence of that decision. Pain in the wider family, pain in the loss of the child. And the contrast is there, isn't it? Joseph, day after day, tempted perhaps, flees to be free. David misses that opportunity of choosing to stay well away from the edge. So whilst that story of David is helpful because it shows us what happens biblically if we don't choose to run from sin, it's also crucial for us this morning because it shows us God's amazing grace, his incredible forgiveness, his ability to release us from the bondage of sin. And in the life of David, he is used in mighty, mighty ways. But you know, what I want us to see in this area of sexual sin is we're talking about the battle for holiness. And we've got to understand some of the enemy tactics in this battle. Who, who recognizes this next photograph? John knows it right in there. What is it? The it's the Enigma machine. So a bit of Second World War history for you. This is the machine that the Germans used to send code Particularly the breaking of this code enabled the allies to work out the enemy strategy. And this morning as we're talking about a battle, we've got to wise up to some of the enemy tactics in this battle. We have the devil endeavouring to draw us into sin and when we're in sin to keep us there. You know, one of the most powerful tactics of the enemy in regard to sexual sin is to tell us that that is the unforgivable sin. That actually it can't truly be forgiven or that we can't truly win the battle. And indeed to tell us that if we were to tell anyone else about those sins, that they would not love us or receive us in the way that we would like. You know, the great news this morning is that God's love is without limit. Without limit. Though your sins be like scarlet, every one of them, they can be washed like snow. And you're in a community of people, every one of us, recognizing that we too are sinners in need of the saving grace of our God. David confesses his sin to Nathan the prophet. And confession is so, so crucial. It's a biblical principle that we confess to God, but that also we have that provision of getting this out with someone else. You know, Jesus' invitation to us today, wherever we're at, in regard to these temptations and these sins, is to come to him. It's to come to him, to bring ourselves and metaphorically our sin to him and to the cross. And we're trusting in his ability to forgive us, but also his ability to bring us breakthrough in this battle. That's what David did. Look at Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Purify my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And that's what the rest of the Psalms that he writes are about, about God's goodness and his ability to bring healing, forgiveness, and breakthrough. So what about you this morning? Where does this word of the battle for holiness, where does it land with you? Well, I want to suggest to you that if you are in patterns and habits of sexual sin that have been going on, maybe on and off, for a number of months or years, it's unlikely that the the breakthrough is going to come simply with you and God alone. That's not to say that that can't happen. That can happen. But I'd be saying that it's unlikely Because I want to encourage you to really think about the power of confession. So confession to another person is not where we receive forgiveness. Only God forgives, first and foremost, our sin. There might be other people we've got to confess to and ask for their forgiveness. But the power of confession is it's like bringing the thing out of the dark into the light. Just a few months into our marriage, Ray and I both, my wife Ray and I, we both heard the same sermon at the same time about the vital ministry of confession. And we both knew that God was really challenging us to have a conversation we didn't really want to have about our sins and our temptations. I still remember where we were sitting where we had that conversation on the sofa at home. Not an easy conversation, but so helpful, so helpful. And it's a a discipline that we've endeavored to continue with like 19 years on in our marriage. So my encouragement to you is if you're married, my encouragement is that you should be courageous in talking about these things. Be courageous, but also be super gracious. Jesus said, He who or she who is without, the, without sin cast the first stone, and no one did, did they? Because we are all sinful. Similarly, if you're in a relationship where your boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe there's a conversation that you need to have. In terms of how close to the edge and how you flee to be free from sexual sin and temptation. We've talked this morning about pornography and the huge temptation its availability is. So this morning, my encouragement is for you to think, if this is an area of temptation for you, what does flee to be free look like? How do you put some distance between those temptations and your routines and habits? There's a Christian friend I have, and part of our kind of catching up with each other from time to time is that we'll talk about all sorts of aspects of life, including sexual temptation. And he knows that I will ask how he's doing, and I know that he'll ask me how I'm doing. And that is so helpful. I would encourage you, speak about these things with a Christian friend who you trust. And this morning, the pastoral team are available. Um, Any of us in leadership... Godly men and women would just love to pray with you. There are also some resources that I want to recommend that can help. So here is a website, Covenant Eyes. This is kind of using technology to counteract the temptation of technology. And when you sign up to Covenant Eyes, essentially it will produce a report of the websites and the content that any devices have been engaging with through the course of a week and send a report to a trusted friend. Take a look at Covenant Eyes. And then some books that I would like to recommend. Every Man's Battle. I've read this book and it is so, so helpful. Super practical, very kind of Honest about the challenge, but so hopeful in terms of the genuine possibility of winning the battle with God's strength and wisdom. And then, of course, different versions of that. So, every young man's battle, and then every woman's battle. I read one of the reviews of the book for women that I I just want to read you because I thought this was so helpful says there's a common, almost Victorian myth that women don't really struggle with sexual sin. That myth causes many women to feel a double shame. The shame of struggling sexually is compounded by the assumption that few, if any women, share the same battle. This book offers women a way to enter the battle with courage, hope, And grace. And then finally, Captured by a Better Vision, Living Porn Free, a book that I've not read but I've heard is really excellent by Tim Chester. So, some great resources for you. Final thing before we just take a moment to apply this. If, as I've talked, this is not a thing for you, then praise God for that. But what is? What is the temptation, the habit, the pattern that you really, really want to break? And how could you get so far away from the cliff edge that the chances of that sin start to diminish? What does flee to be free look like for you? So we're going to take a moment. Let's just, each one of us now ask God to just speak into our hearts and our lives, reminding us of his love and his grace, his forgiveness that is there when we ask for it. But also practically, practically listening for him to tell us what we need to do differently Who the Son sets free will be free indeed. This is a battle that can be won not because of us and our strength, our willpower, our resolve, but because God's Holy Spirit is in us. If we've accepted Jesus into our lives, For the first time then, we're able to say no to sin and to choose righteousness. God gives us his power, but he also gives us his wisdom. The scripture says we have the mind of Christ. What is that for you in this area? What is godly wisdom? And you know, the prize here is so precious. It's so precious to live free from sin. Not that we never sin, but that the habits and the patterns are broken. We're no longer bound by sin. You know, what that does is it enables us to go deeper in our relationship with God. Because when we go around the same loop of God's grace in one area of our lives, that can start to define our relationship with him. That's the thing we speak to him about, and that's the thing he changes and challenges us on. But there's so much more of God, and so much more that he wants to do in our lives, And, and that's what's on offer for us as we just say to God, hey, can't do this on my own, but I can do it with your help and with the help of others. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, that you are a God who forgives. You are the God of victory. And that can and is applied to every area of our lives. Perfection is for heaven, we recognize that. But equally, God, we don't want to settle for the habits and patterns that we know are not your best for us. So help us today, give us courage and give us love and grace for one another. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Tim. A really difficult subject, but very sensitively done. That's really brilliant. Thank you so much. Something we all need to think about and know about. So, yeah, don't just leave it there. do really encourage you to look at those resources that Tim mentioned and maybe get somebody that you really trust to pray with and be accountable to. That's always a good habit to have. So, yes. Um, So, we have the Connect lunch, so the food will be served at half twelve, so whenever you're ready, you can start making your way over to the light centre. As I said earlier, anyone is welcome. If you haven't been to one before or if you're new, you would be very, very welcome to go. There will be enough, I'm sure, Um, and yeah, if you'd like to get some tea and coffee at the back and go and get your kids, potentially, in five to ten minutes' time, you can have a ten-minute kid-free moment. (laughs) <laughs> Woo-hoo. oh and the prayer sorry prayer ministry really important don't forget you can get some prayer ministry for that now that would be awesome okay